Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you guys for stopping in, and uh, we definitely want to tell you how to connect with us a couple of ways. Easiest is to go to thehousinghour.com. You can find our shows, past shows, current shows. You can also find our social media buttons as well, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thehousinghour. Also on Twitter, at thehousinghour. You can also find uh, Mark on Pinterest, and as well, <laughs> you can find out more about our uh, host and co-host, and we love to uh, have Mark come out and do your birthday parties or whatever mm-hmm. you like. Special to. That's right. So uh, that's how you can connect with us. Definitely enjoy hearing from you. And we love uh, our Facebook followers. We have a really nice following. And you can always find our show there. And we love for you to share it because that's why we do this. Um, and the other reason that we do this is because we love to be a part of a community. And Mortgage Investors Group made it a priority back in 2011 when we started the Housing Hour. And part of our mission and part of our vision was to uh, give a platform to our local charities to be able to come and communicate to um, our you know area about what it is that they're doing and what, what help they might need and what programs are working, what programs do they need support with. And today is uh, very much right up that alley. And we have, we're so thankful. It's been five and a half years, I think, that we determined since the last, or five years. Um, Shelly Ellis Farrell, who was a former flagship employee here <laughs> at Cumulus. Um, but thank you, Shelly, for coming in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. And everybody knows Phil Williams, and um, you had produced for him for. I think you had told us seven years. Yes, right about that. Yeah, yeah. Which I think if you take that into uh, how many years it takes off of your life, it's probably like <laughs> times seven. Triple it, something like that at least, yeah. I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. So since the last time that we spoke, um, I went back and listened to our show, our show, and the transition had been about six months. Um, tell me just first before we dig in, um, now you're five years in further than when you were the last time. Tell me um, what you've been doing there. I mean, that's a long time. It, it really, you know, it seems like a long time, and then sometimes it doesn't seem like that long at all. So um, you, when I first started out at Second Harvest, I was very much in kind of a um, uh, support role, um, mm. just kind of helping development um, and trying Until to raise they money. realized how awesome you It's were. one of those things. You, you, you show any kind of knowledge, and then you're off and running, right? right. So, yeah. um, so I've done a lot of things since then i've kind of been here and there i've worked a little bit with operations i've worked a little bit with our agency relations group um my main focus has has been development which is raising Mm -hmm. money for the programs that we have and to uh you know to get meals out to our hungry neighbors so my current title position is um development uh i'm sorry donor relations coordinator Mm -hmm. and so basically what i'm doing is going out and talking to nice folks like you guys letting you know about our programs and trying to 
to find ways that we can partner together um, really to help the community in the 18 counties that we serve. So it's wildly fun because um, I'm never at a loss for words, as everybody knows. <laughs> and I'm very passionate about what we do at Second Harvest. And so being able to um, work with folks who have money, who want to build strong ties in the community, um, we're a perfect fit for that. And at the end of the day, um, everybody knows that what we're doing really does make a difference in the community. Well, speaking of that, I, first I want to jump right in on how we're partnering with you, and that is the Super Bowl. That yes. You, um, and Monique, uh, that's one thing I love about what you guys do is that, you know, you do offer things that are relevant and things that can get people excited. Absolutely. And so uh, on on February 1st at our home office, uh, we're going to be engaging with you guys with, you know, just a way to raise some awareness, raise a little money, you know, and we're going to have our employees being a part of that. And, you know, that's what's so cool, I think, too, about how MIG is structured and how you guys are structured, because we're always looking for ideas. We're looking for people who we can engage with that can help push the envelope in what they're doing. And, and we've been partners with Second Harvest in the yes. past, um, the Food for Kids and the other things that we've been involved with. So this Super Bowl was a great way. And now, is this something that you guys do with, uh, like, 10 companies, one company. How do y'all do? Actually, this is something that Monique and I just kind of came up with. It's one of those things where lots of offices have these kind of, um, you know, interdepartmental contests and things like that. And it really gets people's, um, you know, kind of competition spirit up. And anything Mm -hmm. that we can do to help with that, obviously the soup makes sense because Mm -hmm. we are a food bank. And so that helps us out. But to be able to have a competition and know that at the end of the day that you're raising money for a great causes something cool and everybody's all excited you know about the big game and the whole thing and I'm so not, when <laughs> are you a saints fan sorry uh, saints uh, fan and a non-tom brady yeah fan. yeah it's one of those things right i mean that guy bless him we should put him on the prayer list he really is is hurting <laughs> he, he's hurting for for some successes in his life yeah. but no the the idea was kind of born of of us just talking about what would be kind of a cool thing to do and a lot of what what we do actually ends up being things like that. It's something relevant mm-hmm. to whatever's going on, kind of. I mean, yeah. you know, in the in the broader culture, as it were. And so, the yeah. Super Bowl's coming up, and it made complete sense to be able to do that. Yeah, and and so we're going to be able to have people come from you know outside to come in, and 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 really, it comes down to this, right? And I, if I'm wrong, then I, I have the details right here, <laughs> just in case. But basically, um, you're going to have the opportunity to to test some of the soups. And with that, you can donate. So, for instance, one taste bowl is going to be one can of food that you're going to donate. And then also, if you would like to have three taster bowls, like they're little bowls, right? And then that would be a dollar for three. So if you wanted to try three of them, then you just give three dollars. Certainly, we're going to encourage people to maybe, you know, give us a tip or whatever. Sure, always. It's all about, it's yeah. all about second harvest. Um, and then by that, this is what's so cool, is that Second Harvest can provide three meals for every dollar donated. How in the world do you guys do that? It's one of the things that we have such extraordinary buying power mm-hmm. that when we order food, whatever it may be, you know, if we're talking about canned good, uh, canned vegetables or fruits or grains, we when we buy cereal, we don't buy bags and boxes of cereal. We mm-hmm. buy six-foot 
ton mm. totes right. of cereal. And then we have these amazing volunteers that come out to our warehouse and they scoop it out and they put it into mm. what goes into a food box. So when you can buy with that kind of purchasing power, when you're buying in that amount bulk wise, mm-hmm. then we can stretch those dollars. See, if- I had an uncle like that. He would go into Sam's and he would need to have five or six people unload all of so, I mean, but you're right. It's a buying power. It, it is. And you're buying it from someone who can can actually sell you that. Yes. You know? and, and and what we do, we, we stretch the dollar as far as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that if you went, you know, you want to help us out and you want to go and buy peanut butter is our number one requested item. Mm. Let's say you're like, you know what, I'm going to help out some folks and I'm going to go into any grocery store and I'm going to buy a couple of jars of peanut butter. You're looking at, you know, 15 bucks once you get out of there. If you if you buy three jars of peanut butter, I can mm-hmm. buy two cases for mm-hmm. $15. So right. when, when you kind of start looking at that, then, then the dollar for three meals, and that's a Feeding America stat that we follow as one of their, um, mm-hmm. is one of their, um, Affiliate. So, yes, for one dollar we provide three meals, or we say if you give me a dollar, I can feed a person for an entire day. That's, I mean, that is really something because a lot of people want to give, you know, canned goods, which is fine. I mean, they're non-perishable; those can be utilized, especially if they're um, surplus from your pantry. Totally fine. That's awesome. Um, but also consider, and it, you know, every, I think is it ninety five cents for every? Is, is that we're up to ninety six cents? No, yeah, our efficiency rating you're, went up. You're kidding? Yeah, we're ninety six percent efficiency. That. I was actually worried about saying that because you were going to say, "Well, it's down to ninety." No, 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 no. It's fantastic news, oh, that and is so and cool. I always encourage people. Um, you know, when you when you're giving your hard earned money to a charity or trying to help out people, and you want to know where it's going and it makes sense, use the internet. Go on guide star go on charity navigator because i'm here to tell you these places they rate all of these charities and they will tell you um you know our w9s the tax forms are up there what our um, executive director makes is up there all of that and we're four star um rated with all of them so when i tell you 96 cents of every dollar that we bring in goes to feeding people it's 100 percent accurate man that's crazy well we have a minute and a half in this segment before we're going to tune in to those programs specifically in just a moment when we get back. Um, but are you guys the federal workers? I'm, I saw Elaine in the news, something about the federal workers that were going to be needed needing some help yeah the tsa contacted us they've got some folks that needed some help and so mm-hmm. um we do have emergency food boxes and and things like that normally we don't distribute food from the warehouse we let our agencies do that mm-hmm. but absolutely um the there are some federal workers that have reached out to us and our agencies are going to see um a lot more people coming to the door um especially if we keep going and snap benefits yeah. right now it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road to hoe yeah, well, that is something for people to think about. And we're going to continue right here with Shelly in just a moment from Second Harvest Food Bank. Guys, stick around with us. This is uh, the Housing Hour presented by Mortgage Investors Group. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you so much for joining us here with Mark Griffith, executive producer, co-host 
Thank you guys for stopping in. This is a uh, time that we come in and hopefully provide some value to your day. And I think today is um, not unlike any other show that we talk about important subject matter. And we have with us um, in studio Shelly from – she was here many years ago with The Phil Show. She was the one of the producers, the producer for that show. And I always remember listening and being so entertained. You guys had a great relationship, and um, you guys, I'm sure, have remained friends. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things where being on the radio, even though this is a, in a small capacity, the housing hour, it has helped so much to be able to do my job better communicating with people because you're put into sort of a Petri dish of communication and you have to learn, right? It, it helps you to hone in on lots of things. And I figured out very quickly, the number one thing that I learned is five minutes is a long time mm-hmm. when you're in radio. You have all kinds of time. Eric can attest to this. You mm-hmm. can, you know, go get something to drink and run mm-hmm. back down the hall and that kind of thing. But also... It, I attest. It, yeah. it, it, it also, it helps helps you to realize that words matter mm. and the way that they're delivered matters very much as well. Yeah. And just because we all have different opinions or we all come from different backgrounds, I think kind of universally, globally, we all want the same things. And so when you're able to talk to people, especially in an intimate setting like this, mm-hmm. I mean, people are driving in their car and listening to us. They they let you in to something that's very personal. And mm-hmm. so it, it really is kind of cool. And it's, no, and it's, yeah. a, it's a side of human communication that you don't really think about kind of an, until you're in this position. So, right. Yeah. Because yeah, recall, we had the English professor on and she was talking about it's called codex like different ways of communicating. So that's what's unique about radio is that you have so many different types of people listening. There's no way that you're going to be able to speak to them all in the way that they're used to communicating. It's what a radio is so intriguing to me. And it's why I love that medium because it's never going to go away. It's the way that we started communication as it relates to promotion and things like that. And like with this charity that you are involved in, you know, what better way to hit people when they're in an intimate setting and say, you know, here's what's going on with Second Harvest. Here's what what we're doing to try to give back. Because the last time I checked, you know, people are still hungry and and still in need of what you guys are doing. Didn't mean to go so serious. No, um, well, I mean, we, we deal with serious things like this every day. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're in the business of. We try to do it in a very compassionate and, and I'll say a fun way because, you know, we don't all need to be walking around out at the office out there, you know, oh, we have such a horrible job mm. because there are hungry people. I mean, I'm working yeah. to be out of a job. Let, right. Let's be real, right? right? I hope someday that I'm not needed, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the real. Yeah. Are we anywhere close to that? No, we're not. Right. But at the same time, we can provide a dignity to somebody who may be going mm. through kind of a struggled time or something like that, and we can do it in a fun and I think an informative way. Let yeah. me ask something real fast, because mm-hmm. Five years ago when you were on show with us, uh, this topic came up because it seemed like um, after Christmas is the lowest period for your bank. It is. We call basically from the end of September through December, we call the giving season. We don't have time to look up because we um, are on everybody's minds. And and it's very human nature. You know, you have Thanksgiving. I mean, that's just an eating holiday, right? right. And then you have, okay, as soon as Thanksgiving's done, everybody's thinking about Christmas. And those of us that are fortunate enough to be able to go and, and purchase things for loved ones or have these family gatherings with abundance of food and things like that, everybody at some point thinks about somebody that may be 
less fortunate than them, whether they hear it in church or at the company or we're doing a food drive or whatever. So we're in people's thoughts real heavily for that mm-hmm. quarter of the year. Yeah. After that, um, I mean, let's be honest, when the credit card bills from Christmas start rolling in and, and we're all really cold and bundled up and maybe, uh, you know, a little curmudgeonly or whatever you want to say, yeah. um, charity may not be the first thing on somebody's mind. So, yes, January, February, March are lean times for us. Um, and so we just try to kind of stay in people. You know, there are still people that are hungry. There are still people that are struggling. We see um, the spring and summer, we see lots of volunteers. And then that adds to lots of food drives and things because the weather is warmer. People mm. want to get out. Or you may just be in a better mood because, you know, we're getting more sunlight. Mm. Whatever it may be, January, February, March are definitely what I would call our kind of troubled times a little bit. So last time you were here, we talked about a lot of things, but um, one of the programs that you guys offer is for the el- for elderly. Yes. And you mentioned that a minute ago, but you had said back then, I listened to the show uh, yesterday, and you had said that that was, you know, at the time, that was one that was really needing some maybe some support and tell me where that program is and i tell you um i'm I'm just going to share with everyone you know the mobile meals i know you guys partner with them at some level there's organizations out there that are taking meals like literally meals to the actual homes i don't know if people know this i mean it's mobile meals now do you guys deliver to the home or do you guys deliver to mobile meals or how does y'all do y'all even have a relationship with them? so we do um we did they're an agency we have things that are worked through like shaz and different organizations that are targeted towards our seniors mm-hmm. and so they're agencies of ours we work with them second harvest doesn't deliver any meals mm-hmm. to seniors as it is what we have now is something that we've been working on actually since i was here last so it's been five years in the making we have a pilot program that's happening in morgan county and it is a senior food box program we needed to find an agency that would help us because you know we're 41 people in a warehouse out in maryville and we have 18 counties to cover so most of what our kind of longing for is people in these counties that will reach out to us and partner with us and be able to take this food out so the 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 senior box program would send shelf-stable food that would last up to two weeks for a senior, and it will be delivered to the homes of these folks that can't get out. Mm. And so we have churches or, or organizations, maybe like a Kiwanis or a Rotary or something, that want to do volunteer work that will take this food out. Mm-hmm. It is a pilot program. We're going to see how it works, and hopefully maybe the next time I'm here with you guys, we're into a couple of more counties because there is a huge need. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are these homebound seniors or maybe they don't have family that are able to get to them, especially in what we talked about before in like these food deserts and things like that. Mm. There's a huge need. And if the food can be taken to them, not only is does it nourish them for two weeks and they don't have to worry about paying the gas bill or paying for their medication or prescriptions mm-hmm. it's also somebody coming in and just giving 10 minutes and saying how are you mm-hmm. you know we're here to help and if you know let's say maybe something else is going wrong we have a whole list of organizations let's maybe something's going on with their power or something in the backyard is broken or something like that we have all these great people that work with us that might send somebody out to fix something for them but you would never know because nobody's kind of having that interaction with them Mm -hmm. so pilot program in morgan county for the senior food box program which is really exciting and um 
One of the other things that I think I can go ahead and talk about, we are on the very edges and fringes of starting what we're calling a grandparent program with another local nonprofit. You'll hear some more about it as we go forward. But the biggest need that we're seeing now when we have people coming to us to mobile pantries and things like that are grandparents raising grandchildren. Mm. Um, the opioid epidemic has it's completely almost taken i won't say taken out but it has severely affected an entire generation of what would be parents who are dealing with this epidemic as it were in this addiction and then they have kids that are not being taken care of Mm -hmm. and so you have people that thought they were going to retire who are now raising six and seven year olds wow and they don't have the money they didn't plan for it and there's no food in the house Mm -hmm. so We're starting a program, hopefully, to be able to help those folks out in addition to the food, maybe with some counseling and some resources and things they need by partnering, like I said, with another nonprofit. But people ask me, you know, who's coming to mobile pantries? Who are you giving food to? The biggest growing population of those folks that are waiting in line for food are are grandparents raising grandkids. I mean, I know that's the case. And I mean, like you mentioned, it's a, it's an epidemic. It you know, is. The I mean, it, it's more than people, I think, realize intellectually because it's, it's literally spreading across not just Knoxville, but also the entire country. Yeah. I mean, there it's, are entire states. I know I'm not calling out or anything, but you know, Ohio is mm. that entire state. They've almost declared a state of emergency because yeah. of the opioid epidemic. It's everywhere. And then you have these, I, I hate to say casualties but in a way i mean you have these tiny little folks running around that by it's no fault of theirs and it's certainly not i mean you have grown adults making decisions and now these grandparents who thought they were going to be able to play with their grandkids or kind of right off into the sunset Mm -hmm. are now going to pta meetings and doing homework there is good news in the news this week uh the opio death has flattened out for the first time it's been rising oh wow it actually has flattened out so that's a sign that maybe some of the communication has maybe the education is starting to kind of sink in a little bit it's um it's crazy i think i saw where donald had uh, tweeted out about that that he's taking credit (laughs) for it but it's it's a serious subject matter and at the end of the day I mean, we all have, and I like how you work with other agencies, you know, and not just that, but nonprofits. That is the collaborative effort that we have to have. And I remember Elaine talking about that. You know, you have to work with others to be able to get to the common goal, which is to feed people and, and help people. Guys, stick around with us. We'll be right back. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is again Kevin Ray with Mark Griffith, executive producer and co-host. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it so much. And we have in studio with us uh, Shelly Ellis Farrell. And she is now the development coordinator. What did you say? Donor relations coordinator. Okay, I yes. was close, but not close at all, actually. <laughs> I work in development, though. You got you got all of the terms correct, right. so it's fine. All right. So uh, we were talking off air, and we had quite a long conversation off air even in um, that's what I love about doing these types of things because there's so much to talk about. I mean, we can't possibly get it all into one show, but I did want to uh, make sure everybody knew. I don't know that I was, uh, 
uh, clear on this. The public can come in, and that's what we are encouraging, obviously, on February 1st to Mortgage Investors Group. And we're going to have, you know, a lot of uh, samples there for you guys to either sample three for a dollar um, or you can bring in a, a one can good uh, for one taster bowl. And also, hopefully this doesn't um, hurt turnout. Eric Ainge is going to be there <laughs> from 9 to 12. So <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but he will be there. Then that will be cool because we'll get him to. Who's cooking? He, who's cooking? Yeah, who's cooking the soup? Um, the soup is going to be cooked by employees. Okay, so, good. Yeah. So it is for any employee that is in our area um, that wants to come bring it to the home office. So it, you have an opportunity to come in. And I know MIG is going to be some great soups. It's fantastic. And Monique was telling me that you guys have all these kind of uh, potlucks and things like that. And sometimes she's overwhelmed by how excited everybody gets about yeah. it. So yep. to hear that uh, there's going to be lots of cool soups out there and that we're the beneficiary is really awesome. Uh, Especially I, right before the Super Bowl. Mm, the so, Super right, Bowl. There That's you go. Know. Yes, absolutely. I'm hoping that we um, get the the opponents to change because of the <laughs> false call. At the end of the uh, I think uh, that ship may have sailed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that is from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. So for everybody, we're at um, 8320 East Walker Springs Lane, and we'll give you more information about that on the housing hour. But you can it's right across from Sam's and Walmart, right there off of Walker Springs Road. So uh, I'd love for you to come out. And uh, like I said, Eric Angel will be there to uh, entertain and sign your autographs. And, you know, he is the last quarterback to beat Alabama, so that's a big thing. You know, Tennessee hasn't had a quarterback since Eric, but sort of sad since he's getting great at this point, too. But anyway, <laughs> um, back to what we were talking about. You know, uh, when we were talking about uh, the things that you guys are putting forth, and I want to bring this on air so that we can talk about it, too. Um, you were talking about... You know, we have the the program, the pilot program that's coming up that you're going to be uh, doing in Morgan County, and you have uh, more information that's going to come out on that, and you're sort of right now in the midst of, of trying that out. Um, you've added a program, so one new program that you've added, it, it, and first, and we can sort of segue into it, the Food for Kids program, one that's always been near and dear to our hearts, um, but you've sort of built on that. Talk about first the Food for Kids, and then let's talk about the other. Absolutely. So I think most everybody, probably if you've heard us talk in the last several years, um, Food for Kids is our backpack program. People sometimes just call it backpack program. Mm -hmm. So Food for Kids is that we have, in 18 counties, we have a little over 12,000 kids in those 18 counties every Friday during the school year that go home with a backpack um, of food that is supposed to get them through the weekend okay so these are kids that are probably on free or reduced lunch um, that there's probably some food insecurity at home and they may not eat over the weekend if it weren't for what goes home in the backpacks and it's very discreetly done the bags are packed by volunteers at some point probably during that week or something and then they're put into backpacks Every kid has a backpack, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, they're very subtly put into the backpacks and they go home with, we have crackers and, and canned fruits and vegetables. It's all things that can be opened by small hands. Um, sadly, it's all things that is small enough to be hidden if need be because we've had some issues with that. Um, Food for Kids is our most expensive program to run because we purchase every single piece of food that goes in these backpacks. Mm. No donated product is 
used in the backpacks. And that's specifically for food safety and concern and the fact that we can offer some nutritious things that go. So if you're ever wondering, lots of people give to Food for Kids, but it is our most expensive program to run, just specifically because of, of those facts. So tell me just real quick, why is it that you do that? You Can you expand on that a little bit? That you absolutely what we do um we we get lots of food donated or we get things in bulk that we that are donated at pallet wise and things like that but the reason that we choose to purchase everything that goes in the backpacks is so that we're 100 percent in control of nutritional value end dates um Mm. things that get donated to us it's kind of like you talked about um somebody cleans out their pantry and gives us their canned foods we welcome that Mm. please clean out your pantry and bring it to me even if the can says that it expired six months ago we all know that that's just kind of a a reminder date Mm -hmm. somebody that's hungry is going to want to eat that and it's still good you can you can eat past those expiration dates but for growing bodies growing minds um, we made the decision and spoke with lots and lots of folks, and it's kind of a what I would call a Feeding America standard that anything that's specific to children, you want to have the absolute most control over. So we want the freshest things, we want a good variety, and we also try to keep all of the backpacks essentially the same. So it may be the same 10 or 12 things that go home all the time. You know, peanut butter and crackers, uh, fruit cups, pudding cups, things like that, that like I said, small hands, nothing needs to be cooked or microwaved or anything like that. It's to get them through until they can get back and have breakfast at school on Monday. Now, Mark, you saw firsthand how this works, right, at at Jefferson. And the nice thing about the way, the indiscreet piece of this, um, and I think that's important because, you know, some people may worry. I mean, I can look back and think about times when I was in school, and certainly that's something you wouldn't be very conscious of because kids that are in need don't necessarily want the world to know about it, right? How, what did you think about? I, you know, what really impressed me, um, you know, the kids were wonderful because the kids are always, you know, they're just adorable. But the teachers, there was so turnout for the for this program with the teachers, and the teachers took such care of those kids. Mm. I mean, it was really impressive how they they were just making sure everybody got what they needed to get organized. And then they're worried about coats. And then they told me that, oh, yeah. And I said, coats? He said, yeah, they won't have coats. And we'll go out and we'll buy some coats for them. I said, mm. well, who's paying for that? She goes, the teachers. Well, the, we do, yeah. yeah. Our teachers Amazing. are rock stars. Oh, rock stars. I mean, they 100% are, and that's usually where we get the information for maybe adding a child to Food for Kids roster. Last year, mm-hmm. uh, a teacher may have had 22 people, or even in the middle of the year, she'll say, you know what? I've noticed that little Johnny is not paying attention as much. He's, um, he's wolfing down his lunch or something. I think we probably need to add him, so I need additional food sent to my school for this child they're rock stars we couldn't get this food to these kids without them they usually spearhead the volunteering they're watching the kids they're the ones who um you know if if somebody didn't have dinner last night and they see this is somebody that they spend more time with probably than their parents and so they're going to tell them i'm hungry Mm -hmm. you know i I need something to eat and it's like you said they're buying coats for them they want to make sure that they eat on the weekend so much that we don't know about Mm, it's crazy it really is. Sometimes I think even the teachers, they don't talk about it much at all. Some they do because they know that 
you know, part of their job is to help the kids with education, but then they see these needs and they already don't make enough money. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. And so they're probably, you know, saying, yeah, I did help. I probably shouldn't have because I don't have the funds because I'm trying to support a family. But that's what's so amazing. And when you told me about your story, it made me feel so good because I went through that school, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and looking back, I know that there was needs that were not being filled. Um, and now these type of programs because of second harvest and because of the corporate sponsors. And it's right down the road. I mean, right down the road from you, there's school with kids that need this help. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to tell you, no, I'm going to tell you right now that it, it, even if I'm specifically talking about Knox County, I don't care where you live or what your zip code is. Somebody in your child's school is getting free and reduced lunch and taking food with them home on the right. weekend. I can promise you that. In, in any neighborhood, any school. 1000%. It doesn't matter how big the houses are or how nice the cars are. Somebody is getting help. Yeah, I, I'm here to tell you. It's now, a fact. We only have a short period left in this segment, but in the final segment, I want to talk about the exciting new program that you guys have sort of launched, which is, I think, your eighth feeding program, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it makes eight feeding programs. Yes, yes. One of the cool things that Shelly is going to talk about is how they've really taken this uh, Food for Kids program and injected it with really some new program uh, pieces that are important because, man, it's not something that is very commonly talked about but the need not just for the kid but also just the family in general is enormous so Shelly's going to talk to us about that i'm excited to hear more um they are in eight schools so i'm going to tell you that and then you're going to learn more about it that'll set it up it's very exciting stuff uh we have Shelly in from the food bank from the second harvest food bank and uh join us right after these messages Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been really good to spend this time with Shelly. Um, she's provided us with some new updated information about Second Harvest Food Bank, and we are excited to have her in studio with us. Um, Let's talk about what we were sort of segmenting into, and that was the the Food for Kid program we talked about. And it's is it pretty well funded, or is it doing pretty well? Now? Yeah, actually, Food for Kids is usually um, when people donate to us. Food for Kids is one of the very first things. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, nobody wants to think about kids going hungry. It's kind of like we right. talked about earlier. You know, th- through no fault of their own. I mean, they can't get a job and go out and buy their own groceries. Obviously, so mm-hmm. Food for Kids is one of those that lots and lots of people give to, and we have designated. Um, kind of fundraisers for food for kids Mm -hmm. so but as you were talking about earlier something that was born of the food for kids program if we have twelve thousand kids going home every weekend with a backpack then you know that there's some food insecurity in some of these homes um, that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. and so we started a pilot program with school pantries and this is um we chose counties that or areas that have a food desert where there's not readily available fresh produce and meats and things like that or there's a grocery store more than 20 miles away right so 
We started at Grassy Fork Elementary in Rush Strong, and with the help of one of our great corporate partners, TVA, we started these school pantries. We had to get the schools on board, and we had to get somebody to back other than the corporate money. We needed a church or an agency that would be able to send volunteers. Mm -hmm. So essentially what's happened is at at Grassy Fork, they have like – it's like a – um, one of those mobile classrooms that's turned into the pantry, and then we have a couple that's like maybe it's an unused closet or something. It literally is putting shelving up, and then we add um, canned goods, and we have refrigerators and freezers so that we can have meat and and eggs and things like that. Hmm. What this model does is it helps families of students at this school, mm-hmm. right? So if you have a child at this school and you need some help with food, you're able to to there's a once a month distribution it's always after working hours because we're we're generally helping working families so it's usually like from 4 30 to 6 30 or 5 to 7 or something like that mm-hmm. once a month they're able to come in and they go with our volunteers and they're able to take um enough food for two weeks worth of food for a family of four that's remarkable. It, it very much is. It's one of those things. I was at. I was at a, our newest one um, on Tuesday in Roan County, and I don't know if you, if you can physically see the weight being lifted off of somebody. Mm. It's amazing because they walk out of there and it's like one less thing to worry about, right? Yeah. And yeah. if you think about kind of maybe the what's going on in the house and the stress and things like that kids absorb that stuff we know that so now there's eggs in the refrigerator there's canned goods i have some meat we have pasta for spaghetti or things like that we have meals and i know that we're all going to have supper every night then maybe the stress level goes down a little bit and we're able to focus on other things yeah you mentioned earlier and i thought that it it's great because this is what the school pantry program is to me i come from a very small rural town lawrence uh, county you know it mm-hmm. loretta tennessee mm-hmm. um not trusting of outsiders right. whatsoever we take care of our own kind of a mentality and that kind of thing so to me, we're helping families that might not go to a brick-and-mortar food pantry. They may not go to fish, or they may not go and tell somebody that yeah. they're hungry. Now, this is in their children's schools with what you talked about with these teachers that are with their kids all day. These parents know that these teachers care about their kids. All they're doing is going to their child's school. Mm-hmm. That's it. It takes After away the hours. stigma mm-hmm. of needing the help. And what they're doing is sitting with other families that may be in the same situation as theirs. And they're talking to people who are around their kids every day. And these families all are helping each other. It creates such a sense of community all the while helping. I just I'm, I'm really I'm overwhelmed by it. It's it's taken off to the nth degree and we could not be more proud. It's one of those things where I can. Can tell you right awesome. I, I just and I, and I hate to kind of geek out about it but mm. you know we have people that give us money all year and you want to know where your money goes and that kind of thing and we help people all year but the fact that east tennessee is so giving of us also lets us create an entire new way to help people and that's what this school pantry it's been five years in the making and finally here we are mm-hmm. and we're helping like a hundred families a week or a month in these school pantries and you never know it could be the catalyst to somebody going and getting a job or 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 simply stress in the house being less or the kids doing better in school or being more well behaved or or feeling like their school's helping them out at the one that we opened on 
Tuesday for me to take a breath there. Um, in Roan County, we had uh, ninth and tenth graders who just volunteered to come and help push wow. carts out because they went to that elementary school. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, we take care of our own, right? right. And yeah. there they were, just volunteering. They had name tags on. They were talking about, I, one of them was, oh, my chemistry class is so hard. But at the same time, they're like talking to these kids about, oh, well, I had Miss So-and-so when I was in the fourth grade, too. And they're pushing these carts out to these cars, helping and people load it's fantastic that i just so cool. we're so excited about the school pantry Since program the uh, front line are the teachers have they given you feedback about the success of the program or positive things that they've seen a- absolutely what what we do to also one of the things that we do is we do take metrics it's not anything the only the only thing kind of catalyst that you have to you have to have a child in the school to be able to use the school pantry right but other than that we take how many people are in the household how many children under 17 how many adults and then how many seniors, right? So we have heard back. Grassy Fork is one of our, um, they're rock stars up there. They are, are kind of communicating with us all of the time. And they have noticed that th- since the school pantry opened, PTA involvement has gone up. Wow. The parents wow. are, are are more invested in the school because they feel like it's a it, it literally is a vital place that they can get help and information. Also, what we have found is the kids are helping each other now because talking about food insecurity is not so veiled anymore, right? Um, she and and forgive me, I've, I've forgotten um, the teacher's name, and that's horrible that I've done that, but she was sharing with our school pantry um, person out at Second Harvest that uh, they had um, two little girls came up, and they had their little friend, and they were like, he didn't eat last night. He needs to go in the closet and get some food, and the closet is the pantry, right? right? And so it's created an atmosphere of where it's okay to talk about a human basic need. We all have to eat, mm-hmm. and so there's not this stigma to it anymore, and, and it's kind of opened doors, and I think maybe given a little hope to where maybe it, it wasn't as bright as it could be. And you you think in America that there are not people who are hungry, and it's just not the truth. And there's in in the cost of things. Let's face it: if you are making minimum wage, and you have two kids, and you have rent, and you have a variety of other expenses, then there sometimes you, there's a need, and and that's what I think that Second Harvest is so incredibly amazing at in addition to the volunteers in addition to the teachers and all of that of of bridging the gap absolutely and one of the things that we hear over and over and i'm sure you guys have heard it too i mean just out in the general media when people talk about being hungry um kids eat parents don't right mm-hmm. there's only so much money there's only so much food and everybody says my kids are going to eat first right mm-hmm. which we all get i mean you're absolutely if there's only so much food obviously your your children are going to eat mm-hmm. with the school pantry program we feel like it's it's so close to them and it's in their own neighborhood now maybe that choice doesn't have to be made mm-hmm. okay now maybe we are a little bit um better to help with homework or maybe we're not so quick to be angry or or whatever the issues could be, but now the parents are able to eat too, and they're all able to sit down and have a meal together. So hopefully this program continues to grow and have the effect that we want on these communities, especially in the food deserts and things like that. And we're just, I mean, like I said, I, I'm totally geeking out about it, but I'm just over the moon at how successful it's been so far. And I'm sure grades have gone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if they have that evidence yet, but I mean, if they're increasing participation in the PTA and increased, you know, 
Concentration, people. yeah, for eating. sure, absolutely. Yeah. We we hear that from Food for Kids, the backpack program, and things like that. Kids are in better moods; they're able to pay attention more. And we used to hear the stories that um, on Friday mornings you could tell the kids that would be nervous about the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, there was um, couldn't pay attention, maybe a little rowdier because they didn't know what was going to happen over the weekend. They were going to be hungry all weekend. Mm-hmm. And with the backpack program, that kind of was like okay, at least. I have something, no matter what happens, I've got something to where maybe my belly doesn't hurt or something like that. And the school pantry program kind of mimics a lot of those stats. Sometimes when people want to help, um, and we have to wrap the show up, unfortunately, I'd love to keep talking, but um, they think, well, let me just whip up a couple of meals and take it down there. You know, and that's awesome that, that you could even do that. But we talked earlier in the show, $1 will feed someone, well, three meals, Yes, right? So the monetary donations are what is the most effective way to help and how can they plug in with you guys we have about 30 seconds so easy all you need to do is go to our website it's second harvest etn the e is for east tennessee so make sure you put that in secondharvestetn.org and there you can get all the information you need and if you're listening to me and you need help there's a pantry locator on there you can put your zip code in and it gives you all the list of the pantries you can call and find out their hours and all of that you can donate online you can find out about corporate sponsorships, anything like that. So it's secondharvestetn.org. Awesome. And we want to thank Shelly Ellis Farrell for coming in today so much. And I uh, appreciate Mark Helton's helping set that up. And definitely Monique uh, for putting this program into effect with MIG. We'll see you guys next time right here on the Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.